Welcome to the Modern CPA Success Show, where we're 100% focused on helping accounting firms achieve success. If you're an accounting firm owner who wants to learn how to provide virtual CFO services, then this podcast is for you. Hello, welcome to today's podcast. Today, we are diving in on HR. So we have uh, Jamie and Adam here from Summit, and then we have our HR guy, Zach, from um, Navigate the Journey to help talk about this um, topic. So when we're talking about HR today, we're going to specifically talk about hiring assessments. So um, I know Summit does several hiring assessments through the hiring process, and this is a really important process for us. So um, Adam, can you kind of start off and talk about um, how we started going down doing the assessment um, road? Because we suck at hiring, um, you know. Just frankly, it's just like uh, not to not to say that we don't have great people or and always had great people. It was what we struggled with was we fell in love with everybody. You know, we were very excited about what we did and how we did it. And so, whenever we'd get in an interview, we were really just kind of like bragging about what we do and how we do and all this stuff. And then the person on the other side would kind of naturally just fit their skills to to meet what we're talking about. And we didn't really have... I mean, we tried like Excel tests and QuickBooks tests and those kind of things. We never really had any success with the technical side, but we figured we could train the technical side. As long as the person on the other side was was cool and kind of fit with the culture, then we would be perfectly fine. We were pretty naive in that thinking, again, because we... It's not that we didn't have great people that came in. They just weren't always a great fit. And we didn't understand what that meant. And so we met Zach, our HR guru here at Summit. And he really helped us kind of navigate a few different assessments that might help us figure out what a good fit means from all those other aspects. You know, he doesn't measure anything on the technical side. So Zach was a big, big part of that one. And the first couple that that he introduced to us that we didn't know. I mean, we were familiar with DISC, you know, those kind of things. So so we got that. And that was a, a good baseline for us. But he's the one that introduced um, EQI to us, emotional intelligence, and how that is mission critical to everything that we do. And Zach, you can maybe fill people in a little bit on on how all that works and how we do it here. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when we talk about hiring it's such an interesting process because I think you have to make sure that you are coupling the art of knowing how to interview well and know how to hire, hire well along with sort of a science. And the science part is kind of what we're talking about a little more in depth here. And I think too, when you kind of look at the overall big picture of a hiring process and what do we do during this process, you know, we're, we're trying to, learn about a candidate, know how they're going to fit in the culture of the company, how they're going to do the job in a really, really truncated timeline. And so we want to have every tool available to us to be able to measure what we need to measure because we, you know, there's, you spend a lot of time in hiring, hiring mistakes cost a lot of money to the company, to the culture. And so that's really what we focused on is, you know, when we think about an employee, we want to know that they get it they want it and they have the capacity to do it, that they've got character, they've got chemistry, they've got competency. And so, you know, Adam talked a little bit about DISC and we'll dive into that. One of the assessments that we introduced into the process of Summit in our interviewing process was this idea of measuring emotional intelligence. And this term was kind of coined by a guy named Daniel Goleman um, back in the, the 90s. 
And what he set out to do was, we know what IQ is, we know how to measure that, but there was something in addition to that that accounted for success in relationships and success in business. And so we started measuring this idea of emotional intelligence. Um, you know, underpinning our leadership, our core values, our sort of beliefs and mental models. Um, and so we're really looking at how you relate to others. How do you relate to self? One of the really interesting things about emotional intelligence is it's proven in the latest research to account for about 60% of job success in most industries across the world today. There's actually an article, and this is a little bit of nerd talk here, but the Leadership and Organizational Development Journal published um, some research showing that profitable companies, you can actually predict at 80% of the time whether a company is profitable or not simply by looking at the emotional intelligence of the leadership. So super interesting that you don't even have to look at anything else. You just look at this, the, these numbers of emotional intelligence of the leadership of a company, and you can measure that right away. So we were um, like, sign so, it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, great. Silver bullet time, right? Yeah. And it, I mean, unfortunately, it's not a sil silver bullet. You know, it's one of the most highly accurate and valid assessments on the market today. Um, it's, you know, there's, I don't think there's any silver bullet in hiring, but it mm. definitely helps us understand how a potential employee is going to relate to the team that they're working with and how they're going to handle client relationships. Um, you know, when we look at emotional intelligence, we're looking at how do we perceive and express ourselves? How do we express our thoughts? How do we develop and maintain relationships? How do we cope with challenges? And then, you know, there's emotional information, whether you recognize it or not, flowing in every relationship, every conversation all the time. Do you know how to effectively use that? How to use that? information in a meaningful way, almost every time that we've had a person with a deficit in emotional intelligence, it's turned out to not be a good situation. So definitely something that we've learned from along the way. So, so would you recommend that test for every company then? Or is that specific for client facing companies? Or how would I mean, is that the type of test that like should be standard for companies across the board? My belief is that if you want a strong team, it's definitely something that I would consider putting in any interview process. You know, we we do the same at Navigate the Journey that Summit does, but we're on the HR side. And so we work with many different companies, and I have never seen it be uh, not useful in an interviewing process. I think you understand how an employee works, how they're going to function, how they're going to manage relationships, even if it's just internal, with that information. So, I mean, with that said, though, because I, I, I talk about it all the time whenever I'm talking to other CPA firms. I'm like, yeah, definitely. If you're having a hiring problem, EQI has been a, a measure that we've found to be successful. However, there's tons of sites out there that have EQI tests and you can get them super cheap. And I know you're not mm -hmm. cheap. You're pretty expensive. Um, <laughs> you know, in terms of you, 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 well, you say one, there's a different test that you use. You want to make sure there's some kind of qualification there. But I think mm -hmm. the other power is, is like, Nobody on our team tries to interpret those. We we definitely understand that it's worth spending the money to have somebody also interpret it. So what's your feedback on different websites or, you know, I know maybe not to plug one or anything, but I mean, are there sure. are they all created equal or no? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, short answer is no. Um, definitely think you get what you pay for. 
interestingly enough, we don't make money off of assessments. Um, you know, our sort of the bread and butter of our company is like what you just said, interpreting the data and understanding how to operationalize it. And you have to be really, really careful with any assessment that you use in the hiring process. The American Psychological Association gives a validity and reliability rating to every scientifically backed assessment on the market. And best standard is you need to score above a 0 0.90 on that validity uh, and reliability in order to use it in a hiring process. You need to be measuring a skill, which is what this assessment does. So we use the emotional uh, intelligence, the EQI 2.0 is the assessment that we use. It's you know owned by a company called MHS. And the reason we use it is because it's so uh, reliable, so valid. So you can do this in California or other states that have kind of some high bars in terms of their hiring process, EQIs. Yeah. Okay. okay. Right, right. Which is different than my understanding anyway with like, and you'd never really want to do this with DISC anyway, because that's more of just how we interact with each other. But, you know, shifting gears a little bit to the DISC that we use, that you obviously, that's not like a hire or don't kind of a decision maker. How... It, you know, you've always kind of told us that's just how we interact with the team, just understanding different people's styles. And then, you know, self-assessment too, just understanding the, you always talk about like the shadow side of whatever your personality is, just understanding that like what bad might come out of, of your own personality whenever you get kind of pushed into a corner or something. So how, uh, how have you been like working with our team to... You know, I know we did it with our team retreat and everybody thought that was super helpful, but just operationalizing that kind of stuff. Yeah, we and we use the um, EQI a lot in coaching with our CFOs and leadership as well. But with this, you, yeah, you just said it, it great. It, you cannot use someone's disc results to make a determination on whether or not you're going to hire them. Um there's, you know, differing schools of thought on whether whether you can or should use it in, in a hiring process. We use it at the very end. Sometimes we use it after we've hired them. We don't make we don't use it as a determining factor though, like we do with EQI, because we're not measuring a skill, we're measuring someone's personality and how they're going to interact. But you can't say someone's going to be a better accountant if they're a D versus if they're an S. Again, we're not measuring a skill there. Now, how they interact, how they go about doing that work is probably going to look a lot different. But here, this is just a great tool for helping build self-awareness on your team. It's a great tool for understanding how someone's going to fit in, what kind of clients they're probably going to love working with, what clients are going to drive them batshit crazy, because it tells you who, it, you know, it helps you understand who you resonate with, who you have dissonance with. And like you said, it helps you kind of understand the shadow side of your personality. You know, I am an I, D, like on that uh, leaning towards D. When times are stressful, when, you know, stuff is chaotic, the way that I function looks very, very different from the way that a C functions. And we can drive each other crazy. But knowing that, helping our team understand that really helps us communicate better, treat other people how they want to be treated. And in the end, learn to people read our clients so that we can best understand and communicate with them. Yeah. 
That's I wanted to jump back to the, I know we you kind of moved from the EQI to the disc, but again, you it, you made a statement about like using the EQI to decide when it comes to hiring. Now, I've been in conversations with you when it comes to hiring. It's not like we have a number where we say anybody lower than 95, we can't hire. There's a lot of discussion around it. Can you expand on that a little bit and kind of how that thought process goes? I think it's similar to what you just mentioned with the disc. We need to know people's weaknesses and where they are strong and not coming in. But can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, I'll try to not have too much nerd talk here either. Um, when you know, when you look at the EQI 2.0 assessment, you're not going to just get one number. You do get an overall um, emotional intelligence number for the person, but you also look at the, you get scores in five different what we call composite areas. So we're looking at how do you perceive and express yourself. How do you use emotional information to develop relationships, then you get numbers on like, how well do you understand uh, emotional self-awareness? You know, what's your leaning towards empathy? What's a score on how you use this information to problem solve, develop relationships, manage stress? So there's actually like 21 different numbers that you're looking at. There's an average score with a standard deviation in the U.S., we really want people to score within that range of average. Mm -hmm. Um, but beyond that, I want to see consistent scores. So, you know, let's say for example, you know, we have someone that we're interviewing and they have a super high assertiveness score, super high score on self-regard, a super low score on empathy and interpersonal relationships. Well, that's going to tell me that this person is probably going to likely railroad over other people, not have a deep understanding of his surroundings. You know, I'm going to look at their emotional self-awareness numbers. That's probably the profile of a bull in a china shop. Is that what we need on our team? That's a question you've got to ask. So you really understand what the strengths are, and we all have blind spots. So what those blind spots are going to be for that employee, but you kind of get a picture of, you know, when, you, when you've worked with someone for six, nine, 12 months, you really kind of know how they function. This really helps you know how they're going to function. And I think to what you said, I think that's that's the best part to me about these assessments is it makes our conversation a lot deeper. Like when we're just doing, mm-hmm. when I interview someone, Adam interviews someone, and you interview someone, like our conversation are based on those 30-minute conversations and the questions we've asked, right? And it's that conversation can't last very long. But when you have these scores that go along with it, you're able to provide that assessment like you just did. Like maybe there's sometimes when we're hiring when we need that bull in a china shop when that's what we're looking for and that's what we want to hire, you know. And sometimes it's like, okay, that's exactly not this role or that's not exactly what we need with our team because we already have three of them. And so I think it helps us have those discussions and make those decisions better. Yeah. And it also for you know, going back to something that Adam said earlier, you know, oftentimes, and this is very true of personality, when we meet someone who is like us, we tend to like latch onto them pretty quickly and we tend to not see some of those blind spots that are present. This helps us see that. It helps us gain a fuller picture. When I'm interviewing, I'm looking at a lot of behavioral analysis of the person and looking at a lot of past performance. But the really cool thing about these assessments is that then I can say, hey, Adam, you know, here's something that I saw, or Jamie, here's something that I saw in the interview. It's coming out in their, you know, EQI. Can you dig into this a little bit more in your next interview? Um, so I feel like by the time we get done, we have a really full picture with of how the person's going to work, how they're going to function, and likely how they're going to perform. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's exactly the type of conversations that I appreciate having because of these assessments that we just weren't having before. And it, again, it hasn't made us, you know, it's not like we still don't make bad hires occasionally, but I do think it makes us think through things. And oftentimes the funny thing is, is when, you know, someone doesn't work out, it's like three months later, we're like, yeah, that's exactly kind of the stuff we talked about in our assessment process yeah. with them. So yeah. that, that's yeah. all. Awesome. It's always a good reminder to trust, trust so, what we know. Yeah, that's what we always process. come back to. Yeah, every time we're like, well, I think I really like this person, but I'm seeing this and this. It's like, trust the process. Just let it right. go. Let it go. So that's that's good. So those are the, the two that we use most frequently, obviously, EQI during the interview process and then DISC afterwards. Just And I've had great conversations with the team just saying, hey, I know you need more information and I need to skip steps. Like, we know that about ourselves. Let's let's uh, start over. And it's it's really helped the disk profiling piece of it. But now we're starting to kind of shift gears because we're trying to build a profile. Mm-hmm. You know, what what is a good CFO profile? What is a good senior profile? Obviously, they have to have some the ability to stretch in different directions just based on the roles that we have. Um, but now we're moving a little bit forward to Colby. Can you kind of explain how that then interacts with the rest of the stuff? And yeah, so Colby, Colby is a really interesting assessment that we've started using, and you know we've actually talked so far about you know the, there's three different parts of the mind that most psychologists, even ancient philosophers, would say. You know, we've got our cognitive, which is where thinking IQ lies. We've got our the affective, the feeling part of the brain, you know, where desires, motivations, and attitudes sit. But there's this part, this striving part of the brain that has been really hard to measure. We call that the countative. This is the doing part. What's our drive, our instinct? You know, what's the mental force? What are our talents? And so this assessment was actually created by a lady named Kathy Colby, And it measures four different action modes. You know, we look at, you know, how do we tend to, what's our relationship to information? You know, what, how specific of information do we need to have before we're willing to move forward to take action? We're looking at, you know, how do we organize information? How do we systematize? What's our uh, acumen towards risk, opportunity? Do we tend to be someone who enjoys the status quo? Do we tend to be a person who really needs to to be doing something different all the time? And then what's our tendency towards implementation? How do we tend to see, do we tend to be an envisioner? We can paint a picture with words or do we need to be working with our hands? So here it's interesting. There's no, again, there's no wrong answer. We are measuring skills. So this is an assessment that we can use in the interviewing process. But we're starting to use this data to really understand, like you said, what's the profile of the accountant that works best at Summit? Because we hire different kinds of accountants, different kinds of CFOs than may be normally uh, hired by, you know, big four, big 10 accounting firm. And so we're really using this information to understand we know that we need a senior accountant who has a high degree of leaning towards detailed fact-finding, has very, you know, uh, systematized processes. They sequentially put together information and they don't have a high leaning towards innovation or risk-taking. Now that looks a little different for our CFOs, but again, we were using this data to build that profile for us and really help us understand how do our employees act? How do they work? What's their 
motivation for work? How do they instinctually, um, you know, approach problem solving or the work process? I think what's interesting here is obviously you're, you're talking about on the accounting level and I think that's great. And again, building that profile, but like, so again, if you were, if you were thinking from our clients and you don't need to get specific, but a lot of our clients are digital agencies, theirs would be a different profile based on what they're looking for. Correct. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to be a very different profile, you know, and, and I think that, that it's important to figure out what you're looking for with an employee. Are you looking for someone who has a huge drive towards innovation and a low degree of, follow through in that they don't they're not building they're kind of resistant when it comes to building those systems or structures and so this is this kind of goes back to building a good hiring profile before you even start the interview process um, because oftentimes we find a candidate and we're like they have everything I need and in reality they they don't um, because you didn't do that work up front how's that work with growth so you know, I know you're saying that's just like instinct, you know, that's kind of where they they come from. But how how do we, you know, if you have an accountant that you want to take to a senior accountant and then a CFO or some other part of leadership, if you're in a different industry, whatever, it doesn't really matter. How does that work if their instincts based on like they're the perfect like lower level person profile? How do you stretch them and grow them? Uh, you know, I think this goes back to, you know, a, a book we've talked about in the past um, that Kim Scott wrote in, uh, you know, in, in the book, she talks about rock stars. She talks about superstars. And, you know, there are some people who they're going to be comfortable being in the role that they're in forever. They want to continue growing and developing in that. And then there are other people who have this drive and instinct to move up in the organization. So I do think there's going to be a little bit of difference. But to say, you know, a senior accountant can make a great CFO, their profile may lean a little bit more towards that. So again, we kind of have like a range. We're not looking for an exact, you know, 7724 profile, but we are looking for something, you know, when we're looking at those ranges, we're looking for something to be true in there. And having those conversations, I think, even too on the front end so that we know that going into it. Well, because I think that, you know, the conversations we've had is that, you know, your disc profile might change a little bit over time, you know, situational, but that's more of like a, maybe how you're, where you're at in your life right now, but you eventually kind of work your way back. And then EQI mm-hmm. is one of those things where unlike IQ, where you can kind of grow that and learn to grow that. And then what about Colby? Is that one of those things? Is it more like disc? Or is it because it sounds like it's instinct, so it's something like really yeah. native to somebody. So is it more like disc, or is it is it like EQI in that regard? It is not. Instinct is actually something that does not change over your life. All things being normal, there. It's a big statement, but all things being the same, you can take Colby when you're 15, and you can take Colby when you're 85, and you are likely going to score very, very similarly to how you scored you know, we're going to say that like no big traumas have happened over lifetime or, you know, something in that regard. But interestingly too, Colby has a right fit profile. So one that if Jamie and Adam are on the hiring team, we'd all take this hiring profile together. And when we're looking at candidates, it's actually going to have the candidate uh, match up against that profile and give us like, A, they're going to be you know, a high likelihood of performing well in this role for what you have, what you need, what you want from this person now and looking at growth. Or here's some 
big areas of concern when it comes to this candidate and how they're going to perform in this role. Okay. So blending all three of them together is kind of important. Like know what their yeah. instinct is, where they've, what their range is on the emotional intelligence, and then, you know, kind of understanding how they're going to interact with the team. Obviously, right. like we're still trying to kind of, you know, manage how to build that, that profile right now, but we feel like we're, we're coming close. And as you said early on in the conversation, I think that you can't overstate this fact that hiring the wrong person is very expensive. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I joked earlier that you're expensive, but you're not (laughs) compared to us hiring the wrong person. You pay for yourself extremely quick. So it's been a huge um, difference for us, I think, at Summit because we do have so many applicants coming in and we did kind of fall in love with everybody right out of the gate to have this objective piece and somebody like you to be able to interpret it for us has really made all the the, the difference in the world for us. Yeah, and I, I think to the point of um, hiring the wrong person being expensive, I think this is especially true when you're in client service. You know, when you're in client mm-hmm. service and you you hire someone, you introduce them to the client right away and you're like, hey, this is your new senior accountant, this is your new CFO, and then that person ends up being a wrong fit either for us or for them, and then you're having to introduce someone else in three to six months or nine months or whenever that is. Like, that's really where the costs add up when you're in the, the service-based that's industry. Great. So I think that's um, a great point that that's why we've put so much time into this and, you know, Zach Adams um, Jody and I meet every week talking through this and trying to assess what the right model is and right the right person is. And especially during growth, when you're hiring all the time, you want to get this right. You know, you're, we're hiring mm-hmm. constantly. We're looking at resumes and trying to figure out what's what's right. So um, I think this has been a, a great um, podcast. Any final thoughts from you, Zach, on stuff that people need to consider when they're, when they're building these, um, which assessments to do or how to um, build an assessment process? I just think be very intentional on the front end. You know, know what you're looking for have those conversations before you ever start talking to, to candidates. Um, know what's going to work, you know, from from previous people that you've hired and look for that when you're hiring them. Build out the questions you're going to ask. Um, there's a lot of great resources. Um, there's a book I just read recently called Who. Um, knowing the Who, I think, is what it was. Uh, it, it talks all about best process and uh, practice for hiring. So make sure you've got some of that stuff on your side. How about you, Adam? Any final thoughts from you? Secret sauce is out. It's Zach and all these assessments. So now everybody's going to be knocking on his door and trying to figure out these assessments. I mean, that's uh, really how we've assembled such a great team. It's a good thing you've told everybody he's super expensive. So that's a little setup for you there. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. All right. Well, a great show. And thanks for joining us, guys. Enjoy this episode? Visit our website at summitcpa.net to get more tips and strategies for achieving modern CPA firm success. We're here to be a resource in this ever-changing industry.